Okay, so like I said, this is the um, last week of a five-week series on the Lord's Prayer. And I just want to recap where we've been. And so in the first week, I talked about the purpose of prayer. I said the purpose is ultimately for God. Um, really, the driving force is hallowed be your name, right? That's the driving force of the Lord's Prayer. That's the driving force of our life. That's the driving force of our prayers. We want God to be glorified. And God's name is hallowed as his kingdom comes. And his kingdom comes as his will is being done. Right? That's kind of what I said. And so prayer is chiefly about and for God, right? Not for us. The second week, I talked about the practice of prayer. I said, if we want to practice prayer, first, we need to make it a priority. Our prayer was a priority for the disciples. They asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. Prayer was a priority for Jesus. He always prayed, right? whether it's in the morning, whether it's late at night, whether it's in the middle of the day, he was always praying. And prayer is assumed to be priority for us. Right? Jesus says, when you pray, not if you pray. And so the busier we are, really, the more we need to pray. And I said, as we practice prayer, uh, not just make it a priority, but use the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. Right? That will help us to pray. Third, I talked about the pendulum of prayer. I said uh, that I focused on the four words, um, our Father in heaven. And I said, that's like a pendulum that swings between two opposing truths. Right? God is infinitely beyond us. He's, the, he's in heaven, but he's intimately close to us. He's our Father. And those two extremes shouldn't exist, but they do for us because of the gospel and our ability to understand those two extremes and swing back and forth like a pendulum will make prayer more exciting right? because we're approaching this God who is um, you know, infinitely beyond us. Uh, he's transcendent, but he's close to us, right? He's imminent. And last week I talked about the posture of prayer. I said that, um, you know, I looked at the personal petitions provision of bread, the pardon of past sins, and the protection from future sins. And I said, when you consider those petitions that are about ourselves, uh, it puts us in a certain posture, a posture of dependence, I need you, and a posture of deference, I exalt you, right? And we want to make sure whenever we pray, we have that posture. We're dependent on God. We're deferring all the glory to Him. And then that will shape the things we pray about and will probably you know, end up making us pray more about some things or not pray about certain other things. And so as we end uh, the series, today I want to talk about the uh, propriety of prayer. Now, the word propriety uh, means the standard or rules considered to be correct, right? So we're looking at some of the rules that Jesus gives us. And you know, I really tried to make that a P, which is why it's a weird word like propriety. You know, everything was alliterating the letter P. And so we want to talk about uh, really the rules that Jesus gives us. Now, in all of the previous sermons, uh, we looked at how to pray, right? We looked at the model of the Lord's Prayer and we talked about how we should pray. Uh, but in Matthew's account, uh, Jesus doesn't actually start with that. Uh, Jesus starts in verse 5 to 8, not how to pray, but how not to pray, right? And mainly he says two things, don't pray like one, the hypocrites, and number two, don't pray like the pagans. And so that's what we're focusing on today, how not to pray, and what Jesus tells us not to do. And, you know, when we're trying to learn to do something, quite often learning how not to do it is really beneficial and helpful. And hopefully today, as we talk about how we shouldn't pray, it will also help us to then pray properly. So the first thing is um, hypocritical prayer. We're just going to jump straight into it. This is verse five to six. Now, you know, for some of us, uh, your worst nightmare is being asked randomly to pray out loud for something. Right? Anyone like that? Like when, we're, when we close our eyes in prayer, what you're thinking about is, don't pick me, don't pick me, you know, please don't pick me. Um, you know, I don't want to pray out loud. I'm really afraid of that. 
Um, I just want to tell you a funny story. Um, way back when, when um, Sung and I were just starting to go to church, this must have been first year university, was this 2003, I think. Um, Sung and I, we visited the praise team who were leading praise for a youth um, conference, a youth retreat, so PG one or two or something. And I don't think, um, I don't know if either of us were saved. Um, it was really early on in our journey uh, in the faith. And so we're in the main hall, the kids were all outside probably eating and the praise team was practicing and they were finishing up. Service was about to begin. And so the praise team together with our pastor back then, Eddie Bjorn, they were gonna pray for the service. And so Eddie invited Sung and me to join them in prayer. And so we joined them, Eddie's leading prayer. He prays for a few prayer points and we're finishing up, right? It's, it's that finishing up. And um, we're gonna close and Eddie, I heard Eddie say this. Eddie says, Nsang, can you close us in prayer? Right, and I'm thinking, what? I'm thinking, Sung, Sung's new to church, right? He, I don't even know if he's a Christian, right? I, I don't even know how I'm a Christian. I don't know if he's ever prayed out like this, you know, and I'm, I'm stressing for him. And after like this deafening silence, I hear Sung say this, and I asked him if I can say this story, by the way. And Sung says this, he says, I don't feel comfortable praying out loud, right? And there's this awkward silence, and I've got my eyes closed, it's the awkward silence. And then I hear Eddie say this, that's nice, Sung but I asked Min Sang to pray. Right? Min Sang was this other guy who was in the room. Um, I thought that was super funny. Um, now, um, I said that to Sang, I said, I'm gonna share this story. And Sang said, look at me now, I'm leading facts, right? Praise God, God's powerful. Um, but, you know, I think we're like that, right? And I think it's good that Sang was honest. Right? For most of us, we, we hate it, we don't wanna pray, we don't feel like we're comfortable, but then we just do it anyway. Um, you know, we're afraid to do this because like when you think about why we're afraid, uh, it's mainly because we're self-conscious, right? We're afraid of, you know, making a fool out of myself. Uh, we're afraid of saying the wrong thing in front of people. Right? We're afraid that our prayer is not going to be awesome or powerful or whatever that means. Um, and, you know, that fear of people um, really makes us not want to pray. And we know it's because of people, because uh, if you, no matter how good or not good you are at prayer, if you went to your room and you were by yourself, you would feel comfortable praying right you wouldn't be filled with that kind of fear right and so this is a struggle that i think a lot of us struggle with uh, but this idea what i just shared is exactly what jesus tells us not to do right in verse five he says this when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others truly i say to you they have received their reward now, Jesus talks about the hypocrites. In, he's probably got the Pharisees and the scribes in mind. They were the religious leaders of the day. And the Pharisees and the scribes, on the outside, they appeared pious and holy, you know, even in their prayers. But in reality, their prayers were entirely the opposite. And so the way that I think about it is this. Prayer is meant to be at least two things. Prayer is meant to be to God and for God. A prayer is meant to be to God but the hypocrites had made prayer not to God, but they were speaking to man. And secondly, prayer is meant to be for God's glory, but the hypocrites had made prayer for their own glory. All right, so let me unpack this a little bit. Number one, prayer is meant to be to God. Every time we pray, every time you pray, it doesn't matter when or where, it doesn't matter what you're praying about, it's always communication to one person alone, to God. Right? Prayer is always to 
God. That's what prayer is about. It's kind of simple, right? People say, if you want to pray, just speak to God. Uh, but the thing is, the hypocrites, they'd made this activity that's meant to be uh, speaking to God, and they were speaking to people. Right? Rather than praying for God's ears, they were praying for people's ears. Rather than being conscious of, of, conscious of God's presence, they were conscious of the crowd's presence. Right? Rather than being concerned and consumed, you know, what does God think about what I'm saying? They're concerned and consumed by what does everybody else think about what I'm saying? I think that's the first thing that they messed up. In verse 5, it said, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they might be seen by others. Right? They love to be seen and they, they're thinking about all the people that are hearing their prayer rather than directing their attention to the one that they're meant to be praying to. Right? Prayer, by definition, is speaking to God. And if we're not speaking to God, then what are we doing? Right? One of the hardest parts of praying to God is praying to God, right? You know what I mean, right? If we're honest with ourselves, one of the hardest parts when we pray to God is that we just don't pray to God and we're speaking to everybody else in the room. Now, I'd wager in the Christian world, a lot of us do this a lot of the time, right? If I, I, I do this too, right? I'm so conscious of everybody else that I don't know if I'm really thinking about God when I'm praying sometimes. You know, when someone asks you out of the blue to pray, the first place our attention tends to go to is not God, but we tend to think about everybody else. And that's why we get nervous. That's why we're afraid. That's why we get so stressed out. And, you know, this series on prayer, uh, it probably didn't make it any easier. You know, I've said stuff like there's a right and wrong way to pray. And I said last week, you know, imagine I'm following you around and watching you pray and how often you pray and what you say. And, you know, this might lead us to become super self-conscious, but that's the worst thing we can do as we end this series on prayer. Right? The worst thing is that we will become even more self-conscious. Right? The worst thing is that we'd worry even more if we're saying the right thing. Right? That's not what we want to do in prayer. Right? We're all going to say the wrong thing I said at the start of the series. We're all trying to align our prayers to God, but, you know, we'll mess up. And we're not here to judge one another. We're just trying to grow, right, in our discipline of prayer. And so just, just think about God. You know, we subconsciously pray to people in kind of different ways of prayer as well. I don't know if you've heard any of these ways of praying. Uh, you've got the announcement prayer. The announcement prayer is like a prayer that is really an, an announcement. And while they're praying, they're like, God, we pray for the upcoming fellowship event. Next week, Sunday, the 6th of September, La Delhi Park, 4 to 6 p.m. Bring your hats and sunscreen. Bring a dish each, 6th of September, 4 p.m. Like it's, it's, it's not a prayer. It's really an announcement. I don't know if you've heard the after-sermon summary prayer, right? I'm guilty of this. It's after the sermon, but what you're really doing is you're summarizing the sermon in a prayer so everyone remembers. Like, oh, we want to apply the sermon. Number one, prioritize prayer. Persevere in prayer practicing prayer right it's, it's, it's really like thinking about people and not god there's the exhorting someone while you're pretending to pray for them prayer like you're trying to encourage them but you're pretending to talk to god like god i pray for justin he's such a good friend he's so fun to be around i really enjoy his company and you just start complimenting them thank you justin i mean i mean thank you god for justin Right? All of these prayers are really, when you think about it, it's directed to people. We're thinking about them more than we're thinking about God. You know, sometimes we simply talk about God in prayer. 
and we're not really talking to God. But prayer, I said, we must talk to God. That is by definition what prayer is. We pray not to be heard by others. We pray to be heard by God. And even when we pray in community, uh, this is what R.C. Sproul says. He says, it should feel like we're eavesdropping on someone else's prayer. But if someone's at the front with a microphone praying to God, it should feel like I'm just listening in to what they're saying to God, right? Not the other way around. It's not like God's listening in on what I'm saying to everyone else. Uh, that's the first way that they got it wrong. Prayer is meant to be to God. They were praying to people. And the second, prayer is for God, right? It's for God's glory. But the hypocrites were praying to people for their own glory. But I talked about how prayer is for the hallowing of God's name, right? That's the content of what we pray, hallowed be your name. But even the act of prayer itself, as we're praying, that act should exalt God, right? Even as we pray for our own personal petitions, my provision, my pardon, my protection, right? It puts us in such a lowly posture of humility and dependence that through the prayer, God is magnified, right? God is shown to be the, the one that we need. But as we cry out to him, he looks strong and we look weak. Right? God is the one who answers prayer. Even as we declare who he is, right? all of that is magnifying him. Right? But often the hypocrites, Jesus says, they make it about themselves. They want to magnify themselves. R.C. Sproul again, he says that prayer is not meant to show anything about the person who prays. A prayer is not meant to show anything about the person who prays. Prayer is only meant to show things about God, his provision, his beauty, his trustworthiness, his character. Prayer is not meant to show anything about me. I'm meant to be insignificant. I'm meant to be invisible in the process of prayer. And only God is meant to be put on display. But the hypocrites got this wrong because they made prayer a show. They took this God-centered, God-focused, God-glorifying activity and they made it about themselves. They made it self-centered, self-focused, self-glorifying. They wanted people to leave, not in awe of God, but in awe of themselves. You know what I'm talking about? So that's why they're standing in this place, speaking to people so that they might give them, them glory. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 5, they're at the street corners that they might be seen by others. He kind of clarifies it in the verses before, Matthew 6, 1 to 2. It's really the same thing. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So that's a general statement. Don't practice your righteousness. And then the specific is verse two, when you give to the needy, and then in our verses, when you pray, but in verse two, he says this, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Right? Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And so they're praying and they're doing these things to people, for their own praise, right? for their own glory. And so their long, wordy, spectacular prayers with deep theology and complex words uh, were really to make people say, whoa, right? you're so godly. Right? You love God so much. You're so smart. Well, what's that word? I don't understand. And in their hearts, they're saying, yes, right? that's what I want. Right? And that kind of prayer is hypocritical because it's not godly. Right? It appears godly, but it's not. It appears like you love God, but you don't love God. You love yourself. It appears like you're so smart, but you're not smart. You're dumb, right? Because you're making much of yourself, right? And again, before we shake our heads at the hypocrites and the Pharisees and the scribes, 
if we have a long, hard look at ourselves, we'd probably admit that we do this as well, right? We want to sound great in our prayers. We want people to come to us and say, wow, that was, that was such an awesome prayer. And we go, oh, thanks. The, the all glory to God. But like sometimes in our hearts, it's not all glory to God. You just love that, right? And so we need to make sure that we don't pray like the hypocrites. Now, in terms of hypocritical prayer, when we're praying to people or praying for ourselves, Jesus says the solution is this. It's private prayer. All right, verse 6. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus isn't saying you can only pray in private um, because we see even in the life of Jesus, he prays in public. Uh, the point is that if you're struggling uh, with this problem, that you pray hypocritical prayers to people for your own glory, then this will eliminate the temptation. Uh, praying in private will help you. Uh, praying in private helps you to avoid hypocritical prayers both now in the present and for the future. Right? It helps me now because you know, I can't pray to people if they're not there. Right? I, I can only pray to God in my room. Right? So it eliminates that. No one's going to come to me and say, well, you know, that prayer was awesome, right? So it eliminates that temptation in the present, but it also helps us in the future because the more comfortable we become with praying to God in private, the more comfortable we will be to pray to God in public, right? If we practice in private speaking to God, right, when we get in public, it will be easier for us to pray to God, right, and not to people. And when someone asks you randomly, will you pray? The first instinct won't be, oh, oh I, I don't know how to. Right? I, I, I don't really pray that much. Right? I, I don't know what to say. Right? Because you've practiced it more in private, when someone asks you in public, you'll be a lot more comfortable to say, you know, maybe I can do this. Because I've done it before. Right? Right? I, I pray regularly. And so praying for 30 minutes, you know, this is something that I know I can do. Right? Some of us, were different. Some of us, we just hate the limelight. And so you probably struggle with this more anyway. But I think in general, the more we pray in private, the more easier it will be to pray in public for the glory of God. Now, this is important because Jesus says this. He says that if we pray uh, hypocritical prayers, uh, we won't be rewarded by the Father. But Jesus says the, the Pharisees and the scribes who want praise from people, etc., they've received their reward already. But he says, if you pray in private, God will reward you. And so the person who's praying hypocritical prayers, they want to be heard by man, and they're heard by man and, and women, but they're not heard by God. They want to be praised by mankind, and so they are, but they won't be praised or commended or approved by God right in their prayer. And in the end, you've wasted your prayer. Because as I've said before, you didn't even pray. Prayer is spoken to God for God. God never heard you. Right, in the sense that he didn't like bend his ear to you to listen. He won't respond to that prayer and he won't be glorified to that prayer. And that time you spent with God, you actually wasted because you didn't spend it with God. Right? In all these ways, you've wasted prayer. Right? You're not rewarded in that sense. Right? So pray in private. Right? I encourage us to pray in private. Now I just want to do a side note before I jump to the second point. The second point is shorter, by the way. Even though prayer is uh, deeply private at times, it's not individualistic, right? I just want to clarify that. Prayer is private, 
You go to your room, you close the door, you pray, but it's not individualistic. And what I mean is you can go into your, pre- your room to pray by yourself, but you shouldn't go into your room to pray for yourself. Right? When we pray, we should keep the church, right? our brothers and sisters in mind. Right? I just want to clarify that because it might sound like we're just praying for ourselves. You know, the first word of the Lord's Prayer is a very important word. Do you know what it is? I talked about the first four words in one of my sermons, our father in heaven. They're often overlooked, but the first word is overlooked as well. That word is our. That word our has huge theological implications. Jesus doesn't start with my father. He says our father. In fact, when you look through the Lord's prayer, it says stuff like this. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? A lot of us, we, ours. There is not one, not one sing, first singular, first person singular pronoun in the Lord's Prayer. Right? There's no eyes, me, my, mine. It doesn't exist. It's always us, our, we. And the reason why is because as a Christian, when you pray, you can pray in private, but you're not just praying for yourself. You're praying for our needs, right? My fa- our family, my brothers and sisters, right? What we're going through, right? That's the way Jesus wants us to pray. So even though we don't pray to people, we're praying to God, we should be praying about them, right? Pray about your church family. So that's hypocritical prayer. Let's not pray like that. The second one is pagan prayer, right? This is the second way we shouldn't pray. Jesus says in verse seven, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Now the NIV says pagans, the King James says heathens. So I'm gonna use pagan because I feel like it's more, uh, it's more understandable of what he's saying. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Now this pagan prayer is kind of consisting of a, a two things mainly, empty phrases, he says in verse seven, and phrases that are often kind of repeated or, um, you know, extended prayer, like filled with nothing. So Jesus says, heap up empty phrases that they will be heard for their many words. Right? And so one story that kind of displays the difference between pagan prayer and godly prayer is 1 Kings 18. Now, you may know this story. Um, Elijah is kind of doing like this, this showdown with the pagan priests and they set up an altar and they're going to pray to each of their gods that fire would come down and, and burn up the, the offering. And the pagan priests, as they pray, it's described like this. They cried aloud, raved on, cut themselves, limped around the altar from morning until noon. Right? There's this image of the pagan priests kind of making this loud noise, kind of babbling around. They're praying for a very long time, um, just doing all this kind of weird stuff. And then in contrast, um, we have Elijah's prayer. Now, their God doesn't answer their prayer, by the way. Now, Elijah prays this and God answers, like in a very powerful way. Elijah's prayer is very simple. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that this day you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. The contrast between Elijah's prayer and the pagan prayer is quite stark, right? Uh, Elijah's prayer is, is simple, it's clear, it's thoughtful, meaningful, right? The pagan prayer extends for many, many hours. 
And it doesn't even describe what they say. It's kind of implying that what they said isn't even worth saying or it's filled with so much nonsense, so much babbling that it's not written down. But Elijah's prayer is able to be written down in these two short verses and God answers it. And this is the kind of prayer that I think Jesus is telling us to pray. It's that don't babble on. Don't just kind of keep repeating the same things. Don't try to fill your prayer with emptiness, right? It can be as simple as Elijah's prayer. Now, if I want to apply what the pagan prayer might look like in our day and age, it kind of looks like maybe one of these four things. And these are just things that I thought up. Number one, we've got habitual phrases. And when I think of empty phrases, um, our habitual kind of reciting comes to mind. And I talked about how we often start our prayers with Heavenly Father and we don't think about it. You know, those kinds of things. You know, often when we're asked to pray on the spot, we go into autopilot mode and we start throwing out a bunch of phrases that, you know, we, we've just memorized and we're not even really thinking about what we're saying. And I think at that point, when you're just saying stuff, um, that's an empty phrase. It's not thoughtful. It's not from the heart. And you're not actually, you know, communicating to God. This is the other extreme of, you know, having prayed private prayers. Once we've prayed private prayers, we know these phrases, but what you don't want to do then is in public, just throw them out without thought, right? It's good to have a comfort in knowing how to pray, but every time you pray then afterwards, you want to think about it, right? Pause. It's okay to have silence in prayer, right? I feel like, you know, we're kind of afraid. It's like, if you stop to think about what you're praying, you know, you're not a good person who prays, but in reality, it's better to pause and have silence and mean what you say than to be like, I don't know, a rapper and you just nonstop, you know, blah, 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 but, but like you don't mean anything you're saying. You're just trying to string together phrases, right? So habitual phrases, I think, you know, let's avoid. Second, magical incantations, right? This idea that you know, if I say the right thing, uh, something will happen. A prayer is not like that. You know, growing up as a Catholic, um, that's how I, and I'm not saying anyone else, but this is how I treated the Lord's Prayer, right? After confession, the priest would tell me, you know, pray this number of Lord's Prayer and pray this many Hail Marys and, you know, you'll be forgiven. And so I go to the pew and you don't know how fast I could say the Lord's Prayer. I, they say it 10 times. I'm like, da, 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 da. Like, I was so good at it. Um, but like, I wasn't thinking about what I was saying. And in my mind, it was like just saying these words had the power to forgive my sins as if it's magic. Just say it and it will happen. But prayer is not like that. That's how the pagans think. They think that you know, say the right words in the right order, bam, you've done it. You've unlocked the door, magical abracadabra, it's going to happen. But prayer is not like that. Prayer is a relational conversation with God, right? Don't just say the words as if something's going to happen, right? You want to speak to him. Third, cool sayings. I think oftentimes, I don't know about nowadays, but there are these cool sayings that, you know, we think, uh, people say, and so I should say, and so you insert it into your prayer, but really for you, it's an empty phrase. I remember for a period when I was you know, a young Christian, the, the cool phrase, and everyone was praying this, was spread like a wildfire, right? And, you know, I feel like people were saying that without even know, knowing what they mean. Like, you know, everything had to spread like a wildfire, the, wildfire, you know, the Holy Spirit and, you know, revival and, you know, the, the word of God. And, you know, we're saying, we're just inserting this phrase uh, without true meaning. Uh, sometimes we do that with theological terms, justification. 
sounds like a cool word. You know, the smart people seem to be saying it and you might want to insert justification into your prayer. But if you don't know what you're saying, then it's an empty phrase to you, right? So don't just kind of throw in these cool sayings just because you feel like you should. And again, you're probably doing that then to impress other people. The last one is needless repetition, right? Jesus says the pagans heap up empty phrases. They have many words. You know, repeating the same phrase over and over again does not make God more attentive to your prayers, right? Elijah's rebuke to the pagans is, you know, God's not asleep, right? God's not too busy, right? You know, we, we, we think that God's defenses need to be chipped away at so that we can then, you know, get to him, but that's not the way it is, right? Jesus, by the way, does tell us to pray repeatedly at times, right? The parable of the persistent widow, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane prays three times, but I think there's a difference between repeating the phrase over and over again versus coming to God over time over and over again, right? I think that's good, coming back to God about the same theme, right? And I think it kind of hangs on this. Is the power in your words or is the power in God's hands? I think when we think there's power in our words, we will then be tempted to kind of repeat the phrase over and over again, like as if, again, like an incantation. If I keep repeating it, my words will make something happen. And that's wrong. That's a pagan way of thinking. But when we believe there's power in God, yes, then we might come back to him about the same problem over time. Right? And I'm saying that's okay. But when you think about Elijah's prayer, it wasn't eloquent. It wasn't impressive. It was quite simple. Right? And that was okay because the power was in God's hands, right? not in the words Elijah prayed. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to make a dig here, but you know, I feel like because most of us, we came from a Korean church. I feel like you know, Koreans maybe tend to repeating phrases a lot. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um, like, I just got the image of like, you know, people like kind of in that moment of prayer, kind of rocking back and forth. And they kind of keep saying the same thing over and over again. And like, it, I'm not saying it's wrong all the time. Sometimes like we, we need to say it like 20 times to really mean it. Or sometimes we're wrestling through it. So we need to repeat it. Like I need you God. And to really pray it from a heartful prayer to really kind of cry it to God. You might repeat that. I'm not saying that's always wrong, but if you're like falling into a trance kind of mode, or if you think that, you know, just yet again, repetitiveness is going to do something. Um, then that's more leaning, I think, toward the pagan way of praying. Again, it's relational, right? As long as we kind of keep that in mind and it's God who has power, I think that's important. Now, the solution Jesus gives us is this. Uh, know that God knows, right? Know that God knows. Verse eight, do not be like them, the pagans, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Right? if the solution to hypocritical prayer was private prayer, the solution to pagan prayer, Jesus says, is that you should know that God knows. Right? In the words of David, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts and from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Now, when we know that God knows, a lot of the pagan ways of praying are kind of thrown out the window. Um, the empty habitual phrases, right? That might fool others, but not God because he knows, 
right? He knows beyond my words, uh, beyond, you know, what I've said. He knows my heart. He knows my thoughts. He knows, you know, what's going on. And so those phrases don't impress him. Right? We don't need to inform him with all the details because he knows what's happening in our lives. We don't need to impress him with our cool sayings, again, because he knows our needs, right? We don't need to impress him. We don't need to induce him and force him to do our will. A prayer is not a magical incantation, again, because it's relational. What does he say? Verse 8, he's your father, but there's a relationship there. And that needless repetition in lengthy and loud prayer is unnecessary because God's not asleep. He's not distracted. He's not unwilling. He already knows it before you say it. Right? God doesn't know it after the 100th repeated time. He knows it even before the first time, even before the first word. You know, for me, um, like I was really challenged when I first heard how Aussies pray, right? And this is a generalization. Um, I remember when I went to Bible college um, and I, like, I think for the first time actually listened and paid attention to how you know, Aussies pray. Uh, I don't know if I've ever really heard Aussies praying before that. Uh, and I noticed their prayers felt different to the way like I prayed or like new life back then, or, you know, the new life I knew back then prayed. Aussies seem to pray like laid back, uh, very simple and often like super short, like to the point. Uh, I don't know if it's just me that that's what I, what I felt. Uh, you'd be like, uh, God, we pray for Paul, be with him in his studies guide him in his marriage, let him love you. Amen. That's kind of like that. I'm like, well, like where's the, in Jesus name, like that's heresy. No, I'm joking. Um, you know, I'd be like, that's so short, you know, that's so to the point, like where's, where's the Koreanness, right? And, you know, like when I think about how your know, new life at least prayed back then, it wasn't laid back, it's super passionate emotional people are shouting, like spit is flying everywhere. Your, your body's moving as you're getting into the prayer. It's not simple, but we're praying like spread like wildfire. It's very dramatic, emotive, you know, often detailed. We're putting a lot of details into the prayer. It's not short, right? Koreans were known to pray long, right? Prayers are often filled with detail. We want to kind of make sure God knows all the details. We pray for longer often. And I'm not saying Aussies don't pray long. You know, when I think about Koreans praying for hours at a time, sometimes. And the difference was so notable, but you know, uh, at the start, I, I was like, oh, you guys don't know how to pray. Um, but the more time I kind of sat in it, I realized, you know, a lot of it is, is I think, the influence of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I'm not saying the Aussie way is right and the Korean way is wrong. In fact, I like how you know, we have emotion, we have passion. I like that we do pray long. But all of that has to be tempered by the Lord's Prayer. And I think the reason why Aussies uh, pray simple is because God knows. And so technically, we don't have to tell him everything. We don't have to tell him all the details. Um, a lot of times we're saying the details, not for God. We're saying it for the people hearing. It's okay to pray short at times. Part of that is culture. Part of that is tradition. Um, but I think a part of that is, again, God knows. I think the lack of emotions or the lack of loudness of prayer or the length of prayer is because they know that God isn't convinced just because I'm emotional or just because I'm loud or just because I prayed long. Right. And all of these things, I think we need to be balanced. And so yes, pray long. Yes, be emotional. Right. But just make sure you understand, you know, where it fits. And I think when we understand that God knows it'll kind of guide our prayers, maybe to not have to be so detailed, 
but not have to try to like convince him by our emotions. I uh, try to avoid some of those pitfalls, I think, when we go to the extremes. And so these are the two things I said. Cool. I talked about not praying like a hypocrite. Right? We pray to God, not to people. And so don't do announcement prayers. They're pretending to pray for someone while secretly encouraging and exhorting them. Um, don't talk about God. Talk to God. And we should pray, second, for, pray, for God. We're praying for God, not for our own glory. And Jesus said to pray in private, and that will help us to avoid, I think, the temptation of praying like a hypocrite. And the second was to not pray like the pagans, right? to not fill our prayers with empty phrases, to not go into autopilot mode, to not just repeat the same phrase as if you know, there's power in my words. Um, all of these things, uh, we want to know that God knows. And because God knows, we don't need to inform him about everything. We don't need to impress him with our um, eloquent words or you know, our, our emotions. We don't need to induce him and force him to do something um, as if there's power in our words. Right? God wants honest, meaningful, thoughtful prayers that are spoken to him and for him. Right? And that's what Jesus is inviting us to do. And so these are the two questions. Maybe you can chat about if you want. How have you grown in avoiding hypocritical prayers right, to people and you know, for your own glory? Right, that's hypocritical prayers. And how have you grown in avoiding pagan prayers, right, ones that have empty and or repetitive phrases? Okay, let me post that.